Hello and welcome to the Formed and Known podcast. The Formed and Known podcast exists to equip believers in Jesus Christ to think biblically about issues related to sex, sexuality, and the value of every human life. The name of our podcast comes from Jeremiah 1.5, where the Lord spoke to the prophet Jeremiah and said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. My name is Jared Marshall. I am a former pastor, a graduate of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I now serve as the executive director of Marsha's Place Pregnancy Resource Center in Henderson, Kentucky. I'm joined today by Marcus Daly, uh, the man who preceded me as the executive director of Marsha's Place. Uh, Brother Marcus is a graduate of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, where he earned both his Master of Divinity and Doctor of Education degrees. He has served in pastoral ministry for over 20 years. Uh, he led Marsha's Place Pregnancy Resource Center for two years as our executive director. He still is an active member of our board, and he now serves as the lead pastor and church planter at True Vine Baptist Church in Bardstown, Kentucky. Well, Marcus, thank you for being here for this inaugural episode of the Formed and Known podcast. It is certainly a great honor. Thank you for the invitation. This has been a prayer of mine for a number of years that uh, Marsha's Place can really serve as a community resource for our churches, especially to know more about the work we do and why we do it and the biblical foundation for it. So um, this is an honor. Well, amen. Uh, that's what we're aiming for, and I'm, I'm glad to have you here for this inaugural episode. Uh, I have to inform you that you might have the distinct honor of being both the first and last guest of this podcast, depending <laughs> on if anybody listens to what we have to say. So uh, as I mentioned in our mission statement, our heart's desire for this podcast is that it would be a God-honoring resource for pastors, ministers, lay people, just everyday believers to think biblically about issues related to the sanctity and value of human life. Uh, we live in a time when traditional Christian theology and teaching is increasingly being put under the microscope, and especially right now. Uh, so we're recording this on June 9th of the year 2022, as we await the Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case, uh, especially right now. The abortion issue is one that is confronting everyone who bears the name of Christ, and Christians need to be able to think about and address this issue from a biblical perspective. So we want to do our best today to just help in that endeavor and to understand this issue biblically. So the question we're attempting to begin answering today is this, is the Bible silent about abortion? Now, this is a common accusation. I actually saw this brought up just this morning in an article I was reading. Uh, this is a common accusation brought against Christians like ourselves who are pro-life. Uh, it's also an argument that pro-abortion Christians will make, right? The, the argument generally sounds something like this. They'll say the Bible doesn't say anything about abortion, and therefore abortion is morally acceptable, uh, and actually, we're moving into a time now where where you, it is not enough to say that abortion is morally acceptable. Now you must say abortion is a moral good. Mm -hmm. uh, so we just want to examine this claim that is often made and, and just ask the question, is the Bible truly 
silent about abortion. Now, like any, like any good deception, any good lie, this assertion that the Bible doesn't speak about abortion does have a grain of truth to it, which is that nowhere in the Bible will you find the word abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there isn't a verse we can turn to that says abortion is a sin, abortion is murder. So, Marcus, uh, perhaps this is a good place to start the conversation as Christians— Should we expect, right, given the fact that there is no verse that says abortion is a sin, as Christians, should we expect to be able to turn to Scripture and find help for an issue like abortion? Well, obviously my answer is yes. Um, We should be able to turn to Scripture and find an answer for abortion and many other other issues, both theological doctrine and, and moral and ethical issues. I would look at this the same way. Uh, that I would look at, say, speaking of the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, The word Trinity is not in the Old or the New Testament, uh, but throughout Christian history, uh, there has been an orthodox teaching that there is one God eternally present in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, I would say the same thing about the doctrine of the rapture. Um, I know there are many different perspectives on that, but uh, generally speaking, most Christians believe at some point Um, the Lord is going to rapture the church out. Yet the word rapture is not found in the the New Testament especially. Um, And so the word abortion may not be found there, but what we do find really from the very, very beginning of Scripture and all the way through is the value of life as created in the image of God. And when we understand the sufficiency and the authority of Scripture as Christians— and I speak specifically here to say as Christians, um, that is where we go first. And we look at the world and we look at these questions through the lens of the Bible. Um, The Bible is the word of God. If we are Christians, we should hold to that. Um, And if it is the word of God, then it speaks to every, every issue that we would confront. And so the authority of the Bible is it is God's word. Uh, the sufficiency of the Bible is that it is God's word, and it is sufficient then to answer the questions we may have. So, absolutely, um, I would, uh, you know, every Christian should be there. We should be there every day. We should be there listening to the preaching and teaching and reading and studying and allow the word to inform our worldview, our, our answers to questions, yeah. even like uh, even like abortion and other things. Uh, as Paul said to Timothy, right? All scripture is God-breathed, breathed out by God, profitable for teaching and correction and rebuke and training in righteousness. And yeah. so, uh, and that verse even goes on to say that that the man of God would be fully equipped exactly. for every good work. And uh, so, yeah, to your point, the scripture is what's going to equip us. Absolutely. Well, real quickly, before we get into examining Um, specific uh, verses in Scripture. I want to take a moment and just maybe provide some context for why we're having this conversation in the first place. So, Marcus, I think there are some some brothers and sisters in Christ, some well-meaning Christians, who might say uh, abortion is such a divisive issue, it's so polarizing, it's so politicized that Mm -hmm. there's just no benefit to having a conversation like this. So I guess, Marcus, why should we talk about abortion? 
Well, the first one is right now everybody is talking about it. That's right. Um, As you mentioned just a few moments ago, um, we are recording this before the Supreme Court releases um, its decision on the Dobbs case. But it is after a leaked um, document, I forget what they call it exactly, but a leaked document that seems to indicate that the Supreme Court is poised to, uh, to overturn Roe and, uh, and maybe even overturn Casey, which is, a, is another case that, uh, that solidified um, the abortion issue in case law anyway. Right. Right. Um, and so every single news media outlet, uh, local, national, international, um, every conversation that's being had right now. And so I think it's important um, for that reason, but I think it's important whether it's common conversation in our culture right now or not. I think it's important for Christians to be able to be uh, equipped to have that conversation and really equipped to lead in that conversation. Um, So I think that's the first reason. Um, It is polarizing. And, you know, the old saying is you don't talk about politics. Well, this is an issue that is being uh, in in every conversation and Christians need to be equipped to do it. Um, So I I think that's the first reason. I think the second reason is when we think about abortion, especially as believers, we don't think about this as a political issue. Um, we don't even think about this as an issue that is decided based on the polls of majority in whatever case they are. Abortion is a, is a moral issue. It is a biblically ethical issue that is driven, as we said a few moments ago, by the authority and by the um, the sufficiency of, of the scripture. Um, and so I think we have to recognize that, uh, that abortion is not, um, uh, politics. Um, I mean, our culture, our world today, everything is politicized. Um, yeah. <laughs> literally everything is yeah. politicized. If we're not allowed to talk about things that are politicized and pastors aren't allowed to preach about things that are politicized. Yeah. Uh, what can we talk about? What can a pastor preach about? Yeah. Because everything is. Well, I think what the pastor preaches about is the Word of God. And when he does that, the issue of life and the issue of the value of life and the issue of the morality and the, the sinfulness of taking of life especially is, uh, is, is needs to be part of that conversation. And I think we need to be equipping our saints. You mentioned a few moments ago, Paul writes in Ephesians, equip the saints for work of ministry. And so that's where we are. Um, and so abortion is not, uh, is not just political. It's very much a moral issue. It's very much a biblical issue that we need to be uh, engaged in. It's also an issue that is that literally is sitting in our church pews right now. Um, I mean, statistics are staggering and we could spend hours talking about them. Um, you know, somewhere around one in four, 25% of women in the U.S. Um, have had at least one abortion. Right. Um, and yeah, they, yeah. Sorry, just no, to just interject. Yeah, that's from the Guttmacher Institute. Yeah, um, which is it, a pro-abortion indus, in, right. in, you know, research institute. Kind of the research arm of Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Um, the Guttmacher Institute says nearly one in four women in the U.S. will have an abortion by age 45. Is yeah. the number that you just and so the you know the point of that is you know someone whoever you are 
um, you know someone who has been affected by the loss of a pregnancy through abortion. Um, someone in your family, um, one of your friends, um, someone that you know, someone that you're sitting in church with, another um, Lifeway and CareNet combined on a study back in 2015. And, you know, I think the numbers are over a third of women who have had an abortion when they had their first one, they were in a church within a month. Yes. Um, I think the same report says 70% of people who have had an abortion, 70% of women who have had an abortion identify their religious preference as being Christian. Um, which again, I think helps us understand that as a moral issue and a biblical issue, it's an issue that we in the church especially need to be talking about. Right. And in that statistic that you just quoted uh, from the CareNet and LifeWay uh, research, they, they surveyed a thousand, uh, I think it was a little over a thousand women who had had an abortion, uh, at least one. Uh, as you said, 36% of those women were attending, said they were attending a Christian church uh, at least once a month at the time of their mm -hmm. first abortion. Uh, for the men, they actually did a, another survey just last year in 2021 yeah. of men whose partner had had an abortion. The number was even higher for men. 47% of men said they were actively attending a Christian church at the time their partner had an abortion. Yeah. So I think those answer the questions, why should we be talking about it? Number one is we are talking about it in our culture and Christians need to be equipped. Number two is it is a moral issue. It is a biblical moral issue and it's an issue that is affecting every single church, every single family, every single social group. Um, and I think there's one other reason and, and this, is an important, uh, this is an important reason. Um, silence from the church um, you use the word in, a, in our pre-conversation is, is devastating. Um, when the church is silent, there, we project silence teaches something. Um, and there's two, two different spectrums here that, uh, that could create a danger. One is that abortion is that bad. Um, that in the church, if you've had an abortion, it is an unforgivable sin. Uh, that you're not welcome in our doors, that you are some type of lesser person or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And when we remain silent, that is one area where it can be projected. The other area is on the other side of it, and, and that is that abortion is not that big a deal. Right. Um, right. It's okay. Um, right. It's not seen as a sin. It's not seen as as something that needs to be dealt with from a spiritual perspective to bring about spiritual healing. Mm -hmm something that we need to repent of and allow Christ to bring healing in. And so that's the first one, that either abortion is too bad or it's not that bad at all. Um, the second piece of that is, is, is to do with the gospel. Um, either the gospel is not that good. If abortion is that bad, then the gospel is not going to forgive it. And it's insufficient. And Or the other end of that is that the gospel is that good. Um, and so we've got, to, we've got to make sure that we, are, that we are speaking the truth. We're speaking the truth in love. Mm -hmm. We're helping our congregations know that this is a real issue that has biblical ramifications. Right. 
that touches the lives of every family and every church. That abortion is forgivable, Mm -hmm. and the gospel is what brings that forgiveness about. So it is. It's it's incredibly important. I'm not saying that every single preacher needs to preach on abortion every single week. We just open up the Bible and allow the Word of God to teach us. And we're going to come. We're going to come into these into these conversations, and let's just speak the biblical truth in love. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, uh, going back to the statistics that we just cited a few minutes ago, um, odds are somebody uh, might be listening to this podcast who has had an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's a woman who has had an abortion or a man who has paid for or encouraged an abortion. Uh, likely there will be people listening who have been affected by an abortion decision in some way. And so we wanted to make sure to be just explicitly clear on that gospel point that you just, uh, you walked through so beautifully for us. Uh, We want to be clear. We are going to say, kind of to spoil the ending here, we are going to say we believe abortion is a sin, is what the Bible Mm -hmm. teaches. Uh, We're not going to be shy about that. But right along with that, uh, that clarity around abortion, we want to be equally clear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the blood of our Lord Jesus is able to cover every sin. Um, and so we just want to be, we want to be eminently clear about that, that yeah. the gospel of Jesus is that good. Yeah, I'm reminded of 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, mm-hmm. and John is specifically speaking to Christians here, but the application and implication is for anyone. If we confess our sin, he... Christ is faithful to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he doesn't put a disclaimer on which sins we need to confess, repent of, and he's willing to, he's willing to cleanse. Amen. Amen. And I am reminded of my favorite verse in the Bible, Romans 5, 8. Mm -hmm. Uh, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so that's all of us, uh, not just uh, right, that it's not as if the the sin of abortion has somehow removed you from the grace and mercy and love of of God. Uh, so we want to be want to be as clear yeah. as possible on that point. And I think as we talk about what the Bible says about abortion, part of what the Bible says about abortion is that Jesus forgives. Yeah, yeah, amen, amen. Well, let's wade into it a little bit then uh, by looking at some specific. Verses Again, here we're, we're just trying to answer the question, is the Bible silent about abortion? And we've already said, well, there's no verse that says abortion is sin or abortion is uh, murder. Um, so let's wade into this a little bit and, and try, to, uh, try to understand how we can understand this from a biblical uh, perspective. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, mm-hmm. let me read a couple of verses from Genesis chapter 1, and then I'll read one from Genesis chapter 9 as well. Genesis 1 and verses 26 and 27 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then I also want to read from Genesis 9, verse 6, where God says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. So Marcus, just 
from these verses, help us to understand, uh, we're told in both of those places, that God made us in his own image. Mm -hmm. So I guess on on one hand, help us understand why the doctrine of the image of God uh, is important, and then help us understand how it frames our discussion about abortion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that is the most important piece. I mean, obviously, there's some other things that we could pull out of these passages um, and and probably will be part of discussions in other episodes. Um, but God created everything. Um, there is not, as the old theologian, I think it was an old Christian theologian that once said, there is not an atom as far away as it can be where Christ does not declare mine. Um, so everything that is has been created. And so if we were to look at the number of created things, that number would be billions times billions times billions times billions. There's no way that that would need to be a number. But if we looked at all of the things that God created to image himself, that comes down to one. The only thing that God created is uh, in his image to represent him, to reflect his glory, to um, display his truth. The only thing he created that way is man. And when I say man, I mean male and female. So um, when I use the word man, I'm not being gender specific right. there. I'm speaking of humanity. Um, right. But that that's that's all. And so in that simple framework, we see the, the immeasurable value of, of man. Um, and I think that's one of the things that makes for the believer, for the Christian. I think that's one of the things that makes abortion so difficult. Um, and really any act of, of violence in our culture. Um, when we see an attack on the image of God, we recognize that to be an attack on God. And, and so when we, when we look at these passages, we think about the doctrine of man being created in the image of God, um, it, it immediately creates a worth. Um, it immediately creates a value. Um, yes, we are sinners, and yes, our hearts are broken, and yes, we need redeemed. Um, but we're created in that image. And again, we're going to look at some passages in a few minutes uh, that demonstrate this even more clearly. Um, but when Jesus came, when he, when, when God chose, as, as the apostle writes in, in Galatians, in the fullness of time, when Jesus came, mm -hmm. he came as a man. Mm -hmm. he, he, he bore the image of God the way man was the image of God. And so we see immediately just how valuable, just how important um, man is to God. And, and, you know, especially the Genesis passage speaks to our, our need to protect, our need to value, our need to, uh, right. uh, to honor those right. who bear his image, right. whether that be in the womb or whether that be the aged or right. the disabled or whatever the conditions of life may be. Right. And what a beautiful truth that we have as Christians have to proclaim and to share that uh, as a human being, your value, your worth is not tied up in 
your physical appearance. Mm -hmm. It's not tied up in a physical trait, right? That you're a great athlete or some skill that you have or the level of learning that you reach or your socioeconomic status in life. You have immense value and immense worth as a human being, every human being, because every human being is created in the image of our holy God. Uh, what a beautiful and and inclusive, if I can yeah. use that that term, what a beautiful uh, truth that we have to proclaim uh, as Christians. I think that is a great point and an important point. Yeah. We do live in a culture and in a world where we want to base our value on something external. Right. And, uh, and it really has nothing to do with that. Right. It has to do with, with who formed us. I've used the analogy before. If I if I were to pick pick up a piece of paper and a pen and draw draw a stick figure, I, you know that would be worth throwing away. Right. Um, if Rembrandt picked up a piece of paper and a pencil, and he drew a stick figure, that would be worth framing and hanging in a museum, right. um, because of who the artist is. Mm-hmm. Um, we have value because of who our creator is. Absolutely. And he is infinitely valuable um, and he put a worth on us that in the past in the, in the verse you read uh, you quoted a few moments ago you know the worth he put on us is is that his son would die while we are sinners absolutely amen well we could spend a lot of time talking about uh, absolutely. the image of God and I'm sure in future episodes if we're if the Lord blesses us with future episodes I'm sure we will revisit that topic many many <clears throat> times. But let's look at a couple other verses as well. I want to turn to Psalm 139. Uh, These are very well-known verses um, when it comes to understanding the the value of of human life and how God views life in the womb. But I want to read uh, Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16, which says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Mm. Marcus, when I um, when I read these verses, the thing that it just immediately jumps off the page to me is how evident it is that just the intimate care and concern that God has for life in the womb. I mean, some of the phrases here, right? You you knit me together in my mother's womb, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Uh, God's eye saw his, uh, David's unformed substance right before, mm-hmm. uh, before he had even come into existence yet, right? before those had, days had come to pass. Um, I, I guess just help us understand here uh, why this should be, why these verses should be important to us when we're thinking about the issue of abortion. This almost sounds, um, this almost sounds like a a love letter mm. um, and certainly it could be a love letter from the infant in the womb to his creator mm-hmm. um, but it also 
understanding David is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it almost sounds like a love letter from the Creator to the baby. Right. Um, right. I formed you. Mm -hmm. I knit you together. Mm -hmm. um, I took the time to put every single intricate right. piece together. Um, again, it just it speaks to the value that God puts on 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 humanity. It speaks to the beauty of His sacrifice. It speaks to the and not, and it's the sacrifice of Christ. Yes, mm -hmm. but I mean, you know, when you think of God being eternally present in three persons, when you think of God being eternal, you know, at some point he cared enough to create time so that he could create a world so that he could create an image bearer in, in humanity. And then he didn't just throw us together. He took the time and modeled every single person after his own image and according to his will and then he takes the time as david says right here to write out all of our days right so he doesn't leave us in the womb he doesn't leave us after birth he we he is there every moment and so um again and and i think the the application of this if you will the translation of this if you will is that for we who are redeemed in Christ for we who are Christians um, should take that same level of care um, for our unborn children, for our children, children, our right. infants, our toddlers, right. um, our teenagers. And I'll repeat our teenagers, <laughs> um, you know, there should be that, that level of intimacy and that level of care. Right. Um, even yes. when our children become adults. Yes, I just think when I read this passage, and my wife and I have talked about this recently, like when I read this passage, again, everything you just said, just seeing the beauty of how intimately God loves each of us, but then taking that and applying it to our own children and the children within our communities as, as believers, mm -hmm. just how distinctive our love for children should be as believers in, in Jesus Christ, uh, really striking to read in this passage. Yeah. yeah. And again, I mean, I know this, this passage doesn't say thou shalt not kill the unborn. Right. Um, but I think what it does say is, is you should infinitely value the workmanship of our creator. Absolutely. And, you know, that by itself is a, is, is a distinct quality that, that, uh, that means we, everything we can do mm -hmm. to nourish and to care, to teach, to train, to love, um, and bring up our, bring up our children from the moment that they're conceived. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to a couple more verses <clears throat> okay. here. I'm going to read a couple, uh, passages. We'll kind of read these in tandem and then I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit about them. The first I want to read is Exodus 21, verses 22 to 25. It says this, When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, 
The one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Okay, that's Exodus 21, verses 22 to 25. I also want to read Luke 1, starting in verse 39 to 45, says this, In those days Mary, the mother of Jesus, arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mm -hmm. So Marcus, in, in both of these passages, just help us understand how these passages uh, convey to us quite clearly uh, that the unborn children are considered as true children, as whole persons uh, worthy of value. Yeah, well, I, first of all, I want to acknowledge there's certainly interpretive issues or interpretive questions about some of these passages. Right. And there's certainly a great deal of doctrine and theology that we could take a look at. But I just yeah. want to, I, I really want us to focus on, a, on really on one thing here. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the distinction. Um, in the Exodus passage, we find a pregnant woman as a distinct person. And what we find is her child is another distinct person. When we look at the Luke passage, um, Elizabeth is pregnant with who we know will be John the Baptist. And Mary is pregnant with who has already been named in the, in the, in the, the pronouncement of her, of her, of her intending or of her impending pregnancy is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And in that passage, we don't see two people, Mary and Elizabeth. We see four people very distinct. There is Elizabeth, who is pregnant with a distinct person, mm -hmm. and there is Mary, who is pregnant with a distinct person. That Elizabeth goes so far as to say, you are pregnant with my Lord. She's already right. acknowledging his Messiahship. Right. She's already acknowledging that he is right. uh, who the angel proclaimed to and Mary. And just that he to would back be. that point up, the word Lord is used twice in that passage. Yeah. One is where Elizabeth refers to Jesus as my Lord, little unborn, by the way, I mean, Mary is a month very early in her pregnancy. Yeah. Jesus is likely about the size of a poppy seed at this moment, yeah. uh, but it refers to him as my Lord. And then later in the passage, again, uses that word Lord to refer to the message that Mary received from the Lord God. God so yeah. there's, there's no ambiguity there about who Elizabeth believes this child is. Yeah. And exactly. And, and I think that's an important point, point for us to recognize when we're thinking biblically about the issue of abortion. Um, I want to acknowledge that there's never an easy path to these decisions. Every single time someone is facing a pregnancy, regardless of the circumstances, but especially if it's an unplanned pregnancy, especially if it's a pregnancy in a 
you know, where, where mom is involved in a volatile relationship or all the other circumstances that come around. Um, but one of the arguments is that this is my body and I can do with it what I desire. <clears throat> I think these two passages clearly uh, depict that you, mom, have a body and baby has a body. And there are two distinct bodies. Mm -hmm. One is currently serving as the housing for the other one, but there are two distinct bodies and those are two distinct persons. Mm -hmm. And when we think about this issue, um, we have to consider the life of that body, that baby that is being housed, if you will, in the womb of mom. Right. Uh, and again, I'm, I don't want to try to make light of these decisions. They are very difficult. Obviously, we've been here at Marshall's Place. I've been here for years as executive director and board member. You've been here for almost a year now, and we know what these conversations are. Right. We know how difficult they are. We know how devastating so many people, right. you know, the, the life that so many people are living in. But one of the things we have to understand is, is that there is two lives at stake here. There is, right. there is more than one person who's walking into the room. As you said, Mary didn't have a home pregnancy test that she could run down here to the drugstore and get. Right. She knew she was pregnant because the Holy Spirit told her she was pregnant. Right. And at that moment is when she went, or shortly thereafter is when she went to, to Elizabeth. So <clears throat> even if she had a pregnancy test, it may not have shown up yet. Right. Right. <laughs> but there was still very clear. And so when we think about the value of life, especially when we think about these passages we've looked at together, um, we're created in God's image. We're intricately and personally and intimately made. And we are made distinct, even distinct from the mother who is carrying us. When we add all those things together and we look at all those things together, um, I think we have to recognize that as Christians, and again, our primary focus is to talk to talk to believers. Certainly, if you do not have a relationship with Christ, we would encourage that you learn about him, walk with him, talk with somebody about what it means to be saved, come to a place of repentance and faith. But for someone who is a believer, I think we have to we have to recognize that um, that that baby, that distinct person, is an image bearer right. who has been made intimately by his God. Right. And I think your point, again, is worth repeating. Uh, we recognize uh, the circumstances that could lead uh, a mom, uh, a mom and dad to consider having an abortion. We recognize those circumstances can be very difficult and very complex, right? That could, could lead someone to consider that decision. Uh, there is some complexity there, right? As you said, mm -hmm. we see that all the time in the place that we work, and so we we don't want to we don't want to deny those complexities. I think what we are trying to say is, as a believer, right, as a Christian who, as we talked about at the beginning, believes that this is the inspired, inerrant Word of God, and believes in the sufficiency of Scripture. As a Christian. We are going to say the issue that the question of if abortion is ever a moral good, that's not a complex 
question. Am I hearing you right? Absolutely, yeah. It is not a complex question. Right. Um, the situation may be complex. The situation may be devastating. Right. Um, and the role of the church, the role of the believer, should be to step into the situation. Right. should be to care for mom. It should be to care and love and do what is ever necessary to help mom or mom and dad or family or whatever. That's, that's where the church should come around right. people. Um, but n- no, that is, I mean, and again, we're going to see in a couple of passages here in just a moment, the Bible is explicit and incredibly clear. Right. Um, but just because the situation is difficult doesn't mean that the decision needs to be. Right. Um, right. It is a clear decision. It is, a, it is always a moral wrong. Biblically, it is a sin. Right. Um, right. And just to back you up, uh, you referred to the passages. I'll go ahead and just read them now. Okay. Just a couple of short ones. So Exodus 20, verse 13, uh, part of the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. Mm-hmm. Right. In Proverbs 6, verse 17, in a list of things that the Lord hates, one of the things the Lord hates is hands that shed innocent blood. So just to kind of wrap up, I mean, really what we've already said, but um, just just to wrap up this section, we're going to say unequivocally that abortion, when we're talking about it, right, what is abortion? Abortion is the intentional killing of a unique human being created in the image of God, right? It is the shedding of innocent blood. And again, to go back to what we've been talking about for the last couple minutes, while the circumstances may be difficult, may be devastating, that would lead someone to consider an abortion. Uh, Abortion itself, the question of is abortion ever a moral good, it's not a complex question. We're Mm -hmm. going to say unequivocally, um, as you just said, it is a sin. God has told us you shall not murder. Yes. (laughs) I mean, there's, you know, there really isn't a whole lot that we can add. There's not, you know, there's not caveats to that. There's not disclaimers to that there's not exceptions to that Um, again I I know we've repeated ourselves a few times I do not want to take away from the from the complexity of different situations Um, but those are places where choosing life may well be very difficult but it's also places where fellow believers where Christians should be able to step in and love a mom, love a dad, love a baby, care for a family, um, and, and help walk through those walk through those circumstances with them. Um, but taking the life of an innocent baby does not um, it doesn't fix the devastation of a situation. Um, it just takes the life of someone who who is uniquely and intricately and intimately um, a distinct bearer of the image of God. Yes, yes, that is correct. And, and as you said, uh, just said, we hope that this, this initial uh, podcast, we're kind of coming to the end here, but we hope that this inaugural podcast, the, the formed and known podcast, we hope this has been helpful Uh, to equip you, listener, uh, to think biblically about abortion and to feel a real sense of confidence uh, in the sufficiency of the Word of God. And we hope 
that it spurs exactly what you just said, Marcus, that as we consider the issue of abortion, that when a listener has the opportunity to minister, to speak into the life of someone who is maybe walking through an unexpected pregnancy, has a, a devastating circumstance in their life that perhaps has led to a pregnancy, we hope that, that you, listener, will feel confident based on God's word to go to that person to minister in the love and grace and compassion and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to care for the unborn, to advocate for the unborn, but also to support and love that mom or dad. I think one of the questions we have a lot of times, Jared, is how can we end abortion? Mm -hmm. um, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, you know, as, as fellow Christians, that's going to be a decision we celebrate. Um, that does not end abortion, though. Um, the way we end abortion is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, it is to love one another as our neighbor to the point of sharing with people that Jesus died for our sin, that he rose for our salvation, and that by repenting and believing, we are made new creatures in him. And as we are discipled to value him, we are discipled to value life. And that is where um, person by person, church by church, um, community by community. That's where we will genuinely begin to see um, a shift in thinking about how we value life and, uh, and how we approach the issue of, of terminating pregnancies through abortion. Well, I can't think of a better way to end this podcast than what you just said right there. And, and that really is what we want to leave with with our listeners from this episode is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that good. Uh, and we pray that uh, you'll feel empowered and encouraged to go and share that good news of the gospel of Christ with everyone in your life. And in particular, if you have the opportunity to minister to someone considering an abortion or someone who has an abortion decision in their past, what an amazing opportunity we have as believers to speak to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, so, Marcus, thank you for, for joining me for this inaugural episode of the Absolutely. Formed and Known podcast. Lord willing, we will have many more to come. Uh, thank you for lending your biblical insight and wisdom to this conversation. And just thank you for your love for the Lord and your faithfulness in ministry. Uh, and thank you, listener, for listening to us. And uh, we hope you'll join us next time here on the Formed and Known podcast. Thank you.